The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host of the show. The Giants and the Cowboys played a football game. We had ghosts last week. A cat this week. We'll get to that in a second. Reminder, rate, review, and uh, you know, subscribe to the show. If you like it, if you're new, if you're old, if you've been doing this forever and you've never left a review, pop on there and leave a five-star. Write something nice or ask us, ask us a question. If you leave a five-star review with a question for any member of the podcast, whether it's the Super Friends, who we're on tonight, Brady Quinn, Jason Lockenfora, Pete Prisco, RJ White, whatever it's about, fantasy, gambling, life advice, you can ask Sean what's going on with his dating life, who he likes to date, what type of people he likes to date. We will answer the question. And if you just want to leave something nice and say you love the podcast, that's great too. Sean Wagner McGuff, John Breach, Ryan Wilson, what's up, fellas? Sean strikes me as a guy who would totally date a, a woman who owns a lot of cats. So I feel like he was pretty pumped to see the cat on the field tonight. I'm actually a little bit allergic to cats, so I would have to be really into the girl to be able to stomach that. Is that like a little bit pregnant? How does a little bit yeah. allergic work? It's like, so one of my good friends oh, had okay. a bunch of cats growing up. No, it's just like I can go over there and be fine. But like if I'm like sitting around there for a while and I like touch my eye on accident, then my eye gets super itchy and red. Um, I can be in the house, but I can't like touch my eye and stuff. That's I'm, I'm as, allergic. You know what? That's almost as thrilling as uh, Kevin Harlan's Westwood one call of the cat being on the field. Oh, he's on the five. He's walking. He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW people who get it now, a policeman, a state troopers come on the field. And the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. And the cat is elusive. Kind of like Barkley and Elliott. And then he said, then the cat left uh, through the tunnel. It was actually escorted out. I don't know if you guys caught this. Escorted it, out. But did you see, like, the security lady, like, just... Waved her arm. It was like, go on through. She like, like, he was like, like he was a person just walking through this obvious nip- cat lady. All yeah. nipply bimbly like. I mean, as our official cat correspondent, I will say it was pretty amazing to see that because you would expect some security guy to have to come over and pick the cat up and physically escort it off the field. But that's not what happened in this case. Brinson just said that thing just walked off the field like it knew exactly where it was going, like it was heading to the locker room, like it, it was going, uh, back to the concession stand to take a few tequila shots because the cat was a little wobbly. It, it, it's almost like this was a uh, a planned demonstration by the NFL, knowing that they got you know a little bit of a dud of a game, officiating controversies every week. Let's liven things up with with an animal. And it, like you said, Breach, it knew where to run. It ran right off, no problem. Everyone loved it. You know, Ryan loves his conspiracy theories. I'm not so sure this, uh, this was an accident. Also, that cat, that was a well-fed cat. That wasn't like a stray cat wandering out, like desperately looking for food. He was like thick, muscular, night looked like he'd been eating some good food. And Jerry Jones said after the game, according to uh, David Hellman of DallasCowboys.com, Jerry just ducked out of the locker room, saw the media assembled, and pointed down the hall. And that cage over there, that's my cat. He was so mean out there, I didn't want to look at him on the field. 
Yeah, exactly. That cat had a better night than Saquon Barkley. Well, I'll tell you what, that cat uh, actually spurred John Breach. A pretty good run by the Cowboys, didn't it? it? I mean, if you're Jerry Jones, for instance, I think you had a theory that maybe Jerry Jones hired the cat to run on the field, which <laughs> would all make sense because before the cat came out, the Giants were winning the game 9-3. to And then after the cat terrorized and just scared everyone on the Giants' sideline, the Cowboys outscored the Giants 34-9 to for the rest of the game. So the cat was the MVP of the game for the Cowboys. And for those math ma- for people who aren't math majors out there, that means the final was 37, Cowboys 37, uh, Giants 18. Pat Shermer, you're a coward, my friend. Pat Shermer kicked four field goals shorter than 30 yards in primetime as a two and six home on seven point home underdog. You are a coward. I think you are a fool for calling him a coward because you're surprised that he would do that. He does it every week. And, look, here's what I was thinking when I was watching that piece of doo-doo game, at least from the Giants' perspective. I thought it was an entertaining game. No, no, the way the Giants played the game. That's what – yeah, no, I thought the Cowboys looked looked pretty good in the second half after the cat ran out there. But I think if you – and we talk about this every week. If your coach isn't Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, Peterson, Frank Reich, you need to tell yourself – this is going to go badly more times than not. There are going to be a lot of stupid decisions. You're going to compound that with horrible officiating, and your team isn't going to win a lot of football games. They might go to the playoffs one year, but if you're comfortable not winning the Super Bowl as an owner or GM, then you hire one of these people that make play calls consistently like like um, Pat Shermer does because you're not going to win games like that. If he were coaching the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Patriots, they would be bad football teams because he makes stupid decisions. So I think if you accept – as a fan, or just quit watching or, or get a new team or something, that if this is my coach, this is what's going to happen week in and week out, maybe it's a better experience for you. Maybe you find something else to do for four hours on the, on the weeknights and eight hours on the weekends. But it's frustrating. You're right. He's a coward. But it, it's not going to change. Nothing will change what he's doing. And, I have one it, question for um, Sean or whoever wants to answer this. Next, week's, next week, the Giants play the Jets. Is there any scenario where both Adam Gase and Pat Shermer get fired after that game? I think our uh... – both? Was it, um, was it, uh, was it, our, was it Kevin Steimler or Nick Costas? I can't remember. I follow too many Giants fans. Kevin Steimler, editor, Nick Costas, friend of the program, former, uh, coworker, pointed out that it was like, they should wrestle at midfield, Gase and, and Shermer, and the loser should leave town, and so should the winner. Yeah, nice. Well played. I'll take Shermer in that fight, and they can both leave together. I mean, Shermer I think- would kick Gase's ass. Yeah. Sure. Big. He Are was, you kidding me? Have you ever seen Gase's bugly eyes? He goes full bug eye at you. You have no idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah, but Gase won't, Gase won't be well rested. He'll be too tired heading into it. So, Rich, you but, can't look at him. That's the only thing. You have to keep your eyes closed <laughs> while you fight. Uh, well, I was going to say about Pat Shermer is it goes beyond the situational um, decisions. And look, as soon as they kicked a field goal on that first drive after they picked off Dak Prescott in the first play of the game, got to the three-yard line and kicked the field goal. I knew as, as soon as that happens, you just know they're going to lose because you can't settle for three in that in that situation um, when you're an underdog that that's big. But the thing about him, it's 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 the same with Adam Gase and, and, um, Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. Daniel Jones isn't looking better. And I know he's a rookie. I'm not saying this means Daniel Jones is going to suck forever and all that, but – when the Giants are evaluating what they want to do moving forward with their head coach, they have to look, the first thing they have to look at is how has Daniel Jones looked in an, in an offensive coach's system. He is not getting better. I thought this game was so doo-doo, as Ryan said, um, in large part because of Daniel Jones. Um, he fumbled again. Um, I think that's now eight fumbles already. Um, and how many starts is he? Like five or six starts already? Um, seven. 
through another through another interception. Uh, again, he had, two, he had two fumbles, right? Including the um, sorry, yes, because at the end I forgot about at the, the end and. In uh, in the uh, in the words of uh, Scott Van Pelt, that was overwhelming. On uh, the final, you know, you know, yeah, the, yeah. where that the the final play that the Cowboys ran puts the second half over over the in the full game total over. So it was a pretty big play. And, 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 so, let me put the fumbles in perspective real quick. He now has ten on the season, which is tied for the second most in the NFL, and sixteen turnovers overall, which is tied with Jameis Winston for the most in the NFL. Look, he was so bad that Booger at one point had to compliment his slide after a scramble. He said <laughs> that was the best slide I've seen him make all season long. Which is like, look, if we're getting to that point, you know you're searching for a way to compliment a quarterback. He also, by the way, hilariously tried to block for his runner on a reverse and got completely demolished. And it's like, yeah. look, just get down. Like you're the franchise quarterback. You don't need to be trying that. You're going to get rocked every single time. Can I point something out quickly? It's like, I like Daniel sure. Jones. I know. I just want to be polite. I'm like when breach says, he says something similar. He says one, one thing real quick. It's yeah. literally a podcast where we all point things out constantly for like, it's a way days. in which to notify my colleagues, I'm about to talk. Sean just bursts in, interrupts, and doesn't quit talking for 40 minutes. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Sean credit here. Sean has good nonverbal cues to let you know he's diving in. I don't ever look at Sean, though. That's my problem. Yeah, that's your problem. He's, he, look, I'll be, he's not easy on the eyes. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at Sean. <laughs> Sean that was my Adam Gase impression. <laughs> yeah, that was a great Adam Gase impression. Adam Gase ain't easy on his own eyes. Yeah. So here, here's the deal. And this happened after um, – uh, Daniel Jones went off in his first start. Who did he beat? Was that the Bucks he whipped up on? Whatever game it was. Yes. Up on him. He's down big and he stormed back. Yeah. So after that game, because Daniel Jones had taken a lot of crap going back to April, and understandably so, Giants fans were frustrated. A lot of angry Giants fans went on Twitter and just started calling everyone out. And I wish we could live in a world where people would quit tweeting. That certainly aged poorly. Like I hate that because it's so stupid because – an hour later, it's not going to matter. Two hours later, it's not going to matter. And now we've seen over the course of the last six or seven starts or whatever, that, um, as Sean pointed out, Jones has been terrible. It's going so, back and forth like nine times. And here's the thing. I don't want to hate Daniel Jones, but you get so angry reading people on Twitter yelling at you about something that you said in, in April. It, it Maybe I should be off Twitter less, and that's probably advice all of us could take. But I just think that it, it sort of skews the whole thing. Daniel Jones is probably going to be fine. He plays for a terrible coach. He makes terrible decisions. He had a good start. He has his up and downs. I, I mean, he's playing better than the other quarterback in New York. That makes you feel any better. But, yeah, he played terribly tonight. I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think it means that um, I should say that in age that, that age poorly for people who were yelling at me about it the, the first start and vice versa. So I just want to put that out there because it's super annoying, and I'm sure we'll have to deal with it. For the rest of the season. No, I mean, I think part of the problem with Twitter is that we have this league in the NFL in which we overreact every single week and every single game. Like, um, you know, Dak Prescott was not mentioned as an MVP candidate coming into tonight, primarily because he'd been on a bye. Like, he's still right there with the other guys. I don't think he's necessarily lumped to the big three, but like, if somebody's on a bye, we just forget about them and they're not even like mentioned. And then, if Daniel Jones is a great game, it's it's people seeking out all these tweets criticizing him to blast you for him. And if he has a bad game, it's like people seeking out the tweets that criticize the people's tweets to, to criticize them. And then like if he has a good game, it's like like it's just constantly going back and forth. It's like and look, we're doing ten podcasts a week, so I don't expect to not be part of the cycle here, but it, at some point you need to let it breathe a little bit. And that's the case with Daniel Jones. The problem is that the Giants stink. 
and they're two and seven, and they're not going. Like he, he's he's showing flashes, but do we trust Pat Shermer to build to to coach him up? Do we trust Dave Gettleman to build around him? Do we trust the Giants' ownership to keep Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer in place if they're the right guys in order to? Uh, you know, construct this ecosystem around Daniel Jones. I think that's the problem. Like they traded away Odell Beckham, which maybe in hindsight, not the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, they've given him some protection, but they paid Nate Solder. He didn't do a very good job blocking today. Uh, Will Hernandez got in like 12 fights. T- Tank Lawrence was up in his grill all night long. I mean, it- it's just a hard game to judge him on. And, and Will Hernandez somehow got in 12 fights and didn't get flagged a single time, even though there was, I think, at least four penalties thrown during Will Hernandez fights. By so the way, that, that one – Will Hernandez. No, you're right. The last one, too, by the way, because it was it was going to be – I want to say it was going to be fourth and long, and the Giants were going to have to punt. And Hernandez draws the flag. They get 15 yards. That sets up the play with the fumble uh-huh. and the Cowboys take it the other way. So like if they punt, I mean the Cowboys are taking knees. I mean, they, it was just going to be a mercy like punt here, take the ball. We're you know we're done here. I mean, Shermer's a coward anyway. I do want to note that this defense that completely shut down this Giants offense and Daniel Jones is the same defense that hasn't been frankly that good this year. So it mm. wasn't like um, Daniel Jones was going up against his top ten defense. He was going up against I think a defense um, kind of in the middle, but maybe on the bottom end of the middle, that um, a couple weeks ago, um, Sam Darnold actually played very well against. Yeah. So this wasn't like some impossible matchup for him. Like I actually thought, I think I said this on our YouTube look ahead, that I thought this might be a bit of a shootout because I didn't think the Cowboys defense was any good. So I think that's what is also a little bit disappointing about how poorly he played. Yeah, and if you look at it um, – in the, I guess they were tied in the second quarter in this game, tied in the third quarter, and then the Cowboys scored three touchdowns, 21 to three. They outscored the Giants in the, in the fourth quarter of this game. And like, you could really tell, uh, in, in the, in week one, I remember too, like, you know, the Giants, I think scored first in that game. Um, yeah, Evan Ingram caught a touchdown pass in the first quarter from Eli. And then Blake Jarwin caught a touchdown pass. And then the Cowboys scored two quick times before the half. And then just kind of put it on cruise control. Like to me, this is simply a case of a Dallas Cowboys team that, you know, like it or not for narrative purposes, given the, the way that the Giants have won Super Bowls recently, the Cowboys are simply just in a better spot right now. They're a better overall franchise. They're better on both sides of the ball and they've covered and beaten the crap out of the Giants in like their last six games. I mean, this is a team that flexes their muscles on the Giants. And as much as we don't like Jason Garrett, the Cowboys are actually pretty good in the division with Jason Garrett. So uh, They have been dominating the division, absolutely. But the, here's the thing is that if somebody wakes up and just looks at this score and sees 37 to 18, it screams Cowboys blowout. When that wasn't the case at all, you can almost say this game really came down to two plays uh, with eight minutes left. Eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. So eight minutes left in the game. The score was 23 to 18 Cowboys. This is a five-point game. The Cowboys were facing a third and 12 from their own or from the Giants 45 yard line. If the Giants get a stop there and the Cowboys have to punt, you're down five, you have the ball. It's a game changer. But instead of getting a stop, Giants secondary gets burnt for a 45 yard touchdown pass on third and 12, uh, that made the score 30 18 and really end it. And then obviously the Cowboys tacked on another touchdown when our boy DJ fumbled it on a quarterback hit. And then the Cowboys returned that first score. So that, you know, the game was over at that point. 
but because it was so close, it goes back to what Sean was talking about earlier. Like, what was Pat Shermer thinking? Just kicking all these field goals. If you look at where they had, Sean mentioned the very first field goal where they got down to the three yard line. You don't need to kick a field goal from the three yard line. Two of their other field goals came on fourth and five from inside the 10 yard line. And if it's under fourth and five, you're already that close. Go for it. There was only one field goal I thought was excusable and it was the fourth and 10 one, but that came on the same drive where he challenged a pass interference call. <laughs> so that negates any goodwill he gets for kicking that field goal. I just thought it just was a poorly coached game for Pat Shermer and his team almost bailed him out because they did play so well for about three and a half quarters. Yeah. The first field goal. Remember the very first play from scrimmage, Dak throws an interception. I mean, like it was like, whoa, all right, the dog's going to win tonight. Like the home team's going to hold serve. And then four plays, five yards, one minute and 26 seconds later, after Saquon Barkley just smashed into a brick wall, I think three times. Uh, maybe they ran, uh, maybe they ran Daniel Jones on a bootleg too, I think. It was, anyway, it was like terrible red zone play calling. They're like, well, we got to kick this 21 yard field goal. It's like, no. Like, just let it be zero zero if you have to, but get six points. Get the six points. You got a free interception from a surprisingly defensive performance on a bad throw by Dak. Get the six points. They just didn't want to do it. Uh, and then another one, they were, it was 23 to 15. Daniel Jones throws a 65 yard, well, it was a screen pass, but it went for 65 <laughs> yards. I was going to say. To Saquon Barkley. And so that put the Giants down on the Cowboys 11 yard line. If they get a touchdown, two point conversion, the game is tied with like 10 minutes left. But what did they do after getting that 65 yard pass down to the Cowboys 11 yard line? They gained zero yards. Zero. And then went and straight and kicked the field goal and never scored again. It was over. So, I mean, it was really. Wait, is that the, um, is, this says it was a six second drive. Is that right? That can't be possible. Eight plays, 44 yards, six seconds. That no, it's not five possible. plays, 65 yards, 50 seconds. I like how you asked us if that was real. <laughs> if they ran an eight play, 44 yard drive in six seconds. I love yeah. that Breach makes it sound like a, a touchdown and two point conversion is the easiest thing in the world for Pat Shermer to do. There's there's a better chance that they run for zero yards on every play for the rest of the season than they. By the way, by the way, shout out to um shout out to uh friend of the program, frequent contributor Tom Fernelli. He did today's top picks. Hashtag trust the process. His picks were one Cowboys minus six and a half, two Amari Cooper to score a touchdown, three over Saquon Barkley receiving yards. All three of those cashed. Make sure and read Tom. He does. He does today's top picks like three or four times. Chip and I used to do them. We got bailed out because we do so many podcasts. So go read Tom doing this. Um, yeah, these drive charts are weird on NFL. Jesus, I don't know what's happening. There's like CBSSports.com. That's weird. By the way, I'll just say the same thing about the Cowboys that I said. This is the NFL stats and information feed for the NFL media. Okay, do what you got to do, but um, you know, it seems like it's working real well for you. Yeah. But I will say the same thing. The power of CBS is thing, so f off. Okay, I know. I will say the same thing about the Cowboys that I said about the the Giants. If you're happy just winning the division, then Jason Garrett's your guy. But I would imagine Jerry Jones, and he's made this clear that as someone in his mid seventies, he wants to win Super Bowls. Jason Garrett is not going to do that for you. So no amount of wishing is going to make that true. No amount of beating up on the on Pat Shermer and Daniel Jones is going to make that true. This team will be disappointing because Jason Garrett, in large part, makes his team disappointing. Great win. Not taking that away from a Monday night, but they played a terrible, a terrible, a terrible, a terrible team. <laughs> terrible. And uh, uh, I like terrible. Two yeah. more, uh, 
Two more uh, things worth mentioning. One, uh, I thought Leonard Williams played pretty well. Is he worth a third-round pick and whatever else? Oh, no. Of course not. And, you know, if, they, if they let him walk, then they'll get a compensatory pick. If they sign, I mean, look, no. But he he looked good. Like, he was disruptive. Yeah. He and Dexter Lawrence could be a interesting, disruptive force on the interior. They just have to add a pass rusher. I think they're going to sign him to a long-term deal. Yeah, they are. Dave, yeah. Dave Gettleman signing exactly. an pass rusher yeah, exactly. to a long-term deal, please. Yeah. Look, that's how he built. That's how. That's how he got Carolina's defense really rolling with Kawan Short and Star Lotulele. So I expect him to do the same thing with Leonard Williams and um, and Dexter Dexter Lawrence. I think those two are an interesting combo. But you got to add presence on the outside if you can do that. Good for him. Well, they wanted. So, remember, they tried really hard to get Anthony Barr, and Anthony Barr agreed to go in the tampering period, and then he went back to Minnesota when it actually came time to sign. Hey, when when. If you think Bill Belichick thinks the right way to do it is to build out a defense via the secondary, do you think Dave Gettleman's doing it right or wrong? <laughs> uh, I was going to say, DeAndre Baker, the first-round pick, had a horrible night. The uh, breach mentioned that huge Well, I was about to ask you. That was the other thing I was going to ask about, pass interference. Did you think that uh, DeAndre Baker got hosed there? Or is it, he just yeah, had he did. He had a terrible night. He got hosed in the pass interference. Everyone on the planet knows they're not going to overturn it. I joked with you guys on Slack that I don't even know if you guys ever saw The Last Boy Scout, but one of the first scenes – and the Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans football movie is that one of the players pulls out a gun on the field and shoots the other player. If that happened tonight on the, uh, on the game and someone threw a flag for pass interference or shooting a player, if that's even a penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct maybe, is that what that falls under? There's no way Al Riveron would overturn it. I'm like, nah, it's good. Just don't Not enough this. evidence. <laughs> Not enough evidence. Back to sipping the champagne. Um, I don't know if you all saw my tweet, but I like the idea that the – Which one? Uh, it's good. Brinson, uh, you've, yeah, you've had 108,000 of them. You got dunked on. Since three years ago. Uh, I know, I, like every time my wife's like, you tweet way too much. I'm like, let me like scroll through here. I was just like, oh, I tweeted 42 times since like, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. And I will say this before you tell your story about Twitter that probably no one wants to hear. Brinson was angry on Monday morning. Because he, a weatherman in Tampa Bay, <laughs> called him out. Right, hold on, we'll get, to, we'll get to that in a second. We got we got Jameis stuff we can talk about after the after the break. Um, but first, I want to point out that and I should look. I guess this is a question. Okay, if I if I if I make a joke on Twitter, and no. then I repurpose it for this podcast without m- saying that I tweeted it, are you guys like? I feel like Ryan's gonna be like, "Oh, you're gonna use your Twitter jokes on us podcast again?" Okay, I muted you on Twitter a long time ago, so you can use all the jokes you want. <laughs> That's a lie. Um, but I, he would be so angry. <laughs> I, would, I don't care. Um, I want these. I want these guys to lean into these pass interference uh, replay like uh, answers. Like I want Cleet Blakeman coming out and going. Uh, upon further review, the ruling on the field of pass interference is still the same. And like, <laughs> and you can be like. Upon further review, the ruling on the field is over. My dead body going to be changed. Just kidding, Mike Tomlin. I gotcha. I gotcha. Or just yell psych into the microphone really loudly. I just, or I maybe like on Naked Gun, do the Leslie Nielsen umpire dance. Like yeah, a, he's, just, he's like doing the split, <laughs> like punch in the air. Yeah, sure. Anything. Pat Shermer's turning his face, turning, <laughs> yeah. face turning red. He's so angry. He looked like Tom Coughlin in a cold weather game. That's how red his face right. was. <laughs> It was, and like, I, I get it. I mean, like, I've, I've been there in terms of playing Madden and like hit the, you know, you hit the, like the angry challenge, like the angry challenge button. Like you're just like F it and you just, like, that's all they're doing. He's just pissed off that things didn't go his way and he's throwing the challenge flag. I can't, I can't believe he didn't challenge it a second time. But, but it, he's, I mean, it was an emotional challenge, but 
it was interference. Like if it's if it is interference, you should win the challenge. And I get that you can't win challenges, but this would be like uh, if I'm in a school zone okay, that's 35 miles an hour and I'm going 70, and the cops just like eh, whatever. But you know, it, it, then if I hit a kid, I'm probably going to get the speeding ticket. Which you won't. Be- you won't though. Al Riveron will pe- peel the kid off the, the, the pavement, <laughs> throw him on the this sidewalk. Was- and- that was a just, one out of ten on the analogy. Yeah, that was a, well, I didn't, I didn't I want to show Sean's analogy because I thought it was good. But okay, I was going to I was going to float my analogy. But yeah. I'll I'll try to redeem Breach here, who is normally perfect with these. For me, it's like drunk texting in college freshman. It's like it seems like a good idea. You really want to do it. You're getting kind of emotional, and you send it, and it never works. It's always a bad idea. Challenging it is like sending a drunk text, and the NFL coaches are like college freshmen getting drunk and getting emotional. I think the moral Sean, of the story Sean is actually, <laughs> John, Sean actually tweeted that earlier. Just so you don't. He pulled Sean, it no, I think he knows. If Breach explained it to me, like if Breach of the analogy, I would have liked it. So basically I got to start like ghostwriting mine for Breach yeah. and then give it to him. Yeah. It's also <laughs> worth noting that we were, we were in Fort Lauderdale in August. Uh, Sean was actually drunk tweeting from the bar at his lady friend in San Francisco setting up a date. I think and he was, he was, he, he was tweeting. Emotional. He was like tindering. So Sean is the Al River on. Let's move on. Sean is the Al River on of this podcast. Yeah. Oh, now he wants to move on. Weird. Yeah. Um, no, but I agree with you. It's like, you're like, you know what? I am going to slide up in some DMs. And then it's like, you know what? That was a bad idea. I regret I mean, not, not that I do that. There's but just like no, sh- it's like you have a 5% chance of succeeding, but in, in the moment you think like, oh, this actually might work this time. Right. It doesn't and work. you're going to, pu- you're going to humiliate yourself in front of somebody, whether it's a national television audience or a girl who, um, you know, who clearly wants nothing to do with you. Somebody next, can- Brenton, write this down next off season. We need to do. A podcast that is strictly about drunk texts that we sent while we were in college. Mm. Uh, uh, didn't have texts. I was in college. Oh, you guys are that old. Yeah, wow. texting. I had texting. No, no way. We, I didn't have texting. We, I'd go. We'd go. I'd go. I'd go. Did you go to an Amish? Did you go to an Amish school? You didn't have texting. You're the same age, breach. You didn't have a phone in college. I had texting. I didn't have a phone. What in college. year were you guys in college? I started in '99. Ninety-one you. to ninety-five. I guarantee you, uh, I have plenty Sean, of. It, Ryan did not have a phone. <laughs> no. I, I graduated in 2005. Going to college without internet, man. You, have a, you did not have a phone as a freshman, Breach. I didn't say I had one as a freshman. I said I had one in college. Breach definitely went to college. It took eight Breach years, eight years, though. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of him for anybody. Everyone no, goes to school it, for eight years. Hey, yeah, it's called medical school. We had it. No, we had it. Like, you would have four dudes living in a house and you would share a landline. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you'd be like, you know, you'd be like, you get home for the bar at like 1 a.m. and get up on the landline. He'd be like, <laughs> I've made a mistake. Uh, yeah, I, I left plenty of uh, inebriated voicemails. I can guarantee you that. If you anyone guys, is listening here that you guys, has them. You guys hear a good story? And you couldn't even send drunk Twitter it, DMs or Facebook messages because Facebook Messenger didn't exist even though Facebook did. There's no way to – yeah, you what? just – yeah. So, um, you know, I'll tell the story later. I won't tell it now. Um. <laughs> Do I hear it? Do I hear it or not? Do it. Okay. So one, uh, I dated my wife in college. We broke up for just like six years in between, but, but we dated in college and, uh, she's AK is from Winston Salem. Um, I'm from High Point, same area code, 336. So one night I was, uh, I had been out to the bar on like a Friday and I was supposed to go back to her house afterwards, but I was going to call first before I came back. So I didn't have a cell phone, but I borrowed somebody's phone. Uh, at, like, somebody was else. it Breaches? He had a phone in 1984. Yeah, it was Breaches 1985. Zach uh, Morris phone? 
I borrow somebody's phone, like I call, and I and I'm out in the parking lot of this bar at Crowley's, and I'm like three three six eight eight two eight seven three four. It's like ring 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 ring, and this dude picks up, and I was like, who the f? Is? I was like, I was like, who is this? He goes, this is Bob. Who is this? I was like, who the f is Bob? And then all of a sudden I go, crap, that's my dad. And I call my dad at like 1.30 in the morning and like cut uh, You drug all your dad. Out. <laughs> my, my, my girlfriend out and just hung up on him. And <laughs> you drug dialed your dad. That is hilarious. I love renting beer muscles, by the way. And by the way, I can say that number on the podcast because that house number, that's my old parents' old house number. It's no longer uh, in, in, in usage. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, three three six eight eight two eight seven three four. Like, if you're our age, Ryan, like, I bet you remember your, your, like, your folks' number, right? I, I remember, remember my phone my, number yeah. from. I do, too. Well, yeah, I'm older than you, Sean. I remember my phone number from first grade, three four six eight five three four six eight five two six nine one nine area code back in the day. I hope I'm no one nine. has that. I'm, I'm nine one nine. Um yeah, and so uh, AK's cell phone still is a three three six number, but I called my dad at one thirty in the morning and cussed him out. And then the next day, you ever day, tell him that was you? He called the house for the next day. He goes, "Hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> hey, dad." He goes, "Not great, Bob." And I was like, "Yeah, not great, Bob." Um, all right, so that's my drunken Brinson college story. Pretty good. Up next for the Cowboys, Vikings at home, Sunday Night Football. What uh, do you think about that? Kirby Cousins is going to show up in a big way. Uh, do the Vikings have, or do the Cowboys have a winning record? They do. By the they, way, no, I ho- you will not. <laughs> uh, I hope you like. I hope you like watching the Dallas Cowboys play football because you're going to see a lot of them. They had tonight Monday night football. Last night Monday night football. Next week Sunday night against the Vikings. The week after that they are at New England on Fox at 4:25. That's guaranteed to be the Buck Aikman game. The week after that they are on CBS against Buffalo for Thanksgiving. The week after that, they're on Thursday night football against in Chicago against the Bears. Please, in that. Uh, the week after that, they're against the Rams at 425 on Fox. That's the Buck Aikman game. And the week after that, in week 16, they're at Philly uh, at 425. That's also the Fox late game, but could be flexed in the Sunday night spot. So um, in between there, the week 11 is Detroit, which will probably not be prime time. But we are staring down. Uh, seven can seven out of eight weeks where we will have Cowboys primetime games. So soak it in. That sounds like fun. You know, a Cowboys player, you guys talked about Leonard Williams real quick. I just want to mention Michael Bennett real quick because this was his debut game with the Cowboys. And a little fun fact for you. He played two straight games against the Giants. His last game with the Patriots was against the Giants. His first game against with the Cowboys was against the Giants. And he actually looked good out there. I think we talked about uh, during the trade that Chris Rashard, the Cowboys passing game coordinator, co-defense coordinator, uh, knew how to use him. And he, he got a sack three against hits. the Giants. He got three hits. He was all over the place. And, and for a guy making – he did more tonight with the Cowboys on Monday night than he did during his entire stint with the Patriots. So if you're the Cowboys, you have to be encouraged that he had a productive night. Uh, the Giants next play the Jets and then have their bye – uh, which is basically the same thing as playing the Jets. No one cares. They also play the Bears. That'll be the sad sack NFC game. Hey, they beat the Bears last year. Maybe they'll beat the Bears this year. Danny Dimes, lighting them up. All right, we got to get to break, and then after that we will tell you about what this NFL team might move to London. Coming up after the break.
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I actually like the idea of a John Breach teaser. Like, we should do a John Breach teaser of the week, where Breach takes a piece of news and writes a teaser. Like a, like a. You'll never believe. Yeah. Or like, you know, um, you know, like a, like something you'd hear on like the radio, like a radio tease, like, coming up after the break, you won't believe what <laughs> NFL team could move to Los Angeles. Like a or, dateline yeah. teaser. Give us a good one for uh, for this team, Breach. What would you do for this one? Uh, you won't believe which NFL team might be moving to an international city that doesn't have a team right now. And it's a country that you've probably heard of. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> How many international cities have football teams? <laughs> yes. yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. last two things are like totally vague. And it's a country you've heard of. See, I thought it's a country on, on in all seriousness, I thought he was going to go with like Los Angeles football team. So then people don't know if it's the Rams or the Chargers. You have to mention things like uh, headless bodies found or, you know, missing. You, missing more, more broad. California. What California football team? So, uh, so anyway, uh, we're ripping through some news. We'll get a five star, some five star reviews, but Vinny, Vincent Bonsignore, is that, did I pronounce that correctly? Um, of the athletic, probably not, of the athletic reported on, th- on Monday evening that, and here I'm just going to read from the block quote. The athletic has learned through NFL sources that the possibility of the Chargers moving to London has been broached among league personnel. The Athletic has also learned that. I mean, we get it. You're the Athletic. We're reading the Athletic. <laughs> While the team is fully committed to Los Angeles, where it will move into the new $4.5 billion stadium with the Rams next year, the Chargers would at least listen if the NFL approached them about London as a possible option. Finally, the Athletic has learned that the NFL owners are concerned enough about the Chargers situation in L.A. where a crowded sports market and the presence of the more established Rams has resulted in a tepid embracement of the Chargers that they would pr- provide the necessary support for a relocation to London if the Chargers pursue it. In other words, the Athletic continues, London offers the Chargers and the NFL an immediate and rare opportunity to fix the glaring problem in a way that checks off multiple boxes, both for the franchise and the league. Breach. I- 
Wait, first uh, first question though. Who who wrote this? Who broke this story? Vincent Bunsignore. Second second question is: the Can athletic. the Athletic sue you for reading behind their pay- paywall? Because it sounds like you just read the entire article. Uh, the so, entire article is like seven thousand words, so oh he didn't even read five percent of it. I, yeah, and actually, he had an interesting quote. It was an interesting quote. It was like surprising because of how far uh, it was buried. But Chris Halpin, the NFL's chief strategy and growth officer, said it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Like, why, why, why is it that at the top? Why is it, why are you like sources are telling me, be like, this dude says this might happen and he's in charge of it. All right. Sorry, Breach. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I did Brinson was asking me a question. I thought I didn't. Oh, um, what, uh, this feels like your wheelhouse. LA team moving to London. Like you're definitely San Diego a team when he was in San Diego. Exactly. Breach has chased off n- multiple NFL teams. He has chased off the Chargers. The Raiders, probably the Titans are probably leaving sometime soon. You're probably moving to London to chase the Chargers to Japan. I mean, what's what? what <laughs> I'm two for two. The last two cities I lived in were Oakland and San Diego. And, and here's the thing: I think a lot of people in San Diego probably were hoping that if the Chargers did move, it would be back to San Diego. But they're just never going to get a stadium deal done. And here's the other thing, and the reason why this is so believable is that. The whole Chargers trying to sell tickets at this new Ram stadium is a total disaster. Because remember, Stan Kroenke is building the stadium with his own money, renting it to the Chargers, and he cannot be happy with the fact that the Chargers can't sell tickets because they have to pay him rent using the money from selling tickets. And so because they couldn't sell tickets, they cut the price practically in half. So now, let's say you're a resident of L.A. and your choices are to buy Ram season tickets for $10,000 or Charger season tickets for $4,000. You're a casual football fan. You're going to do the Chargers. So now, not only are you not selling tickets, but you're undercutting Kroenke and the Rams who are footing the bill for your stadium. And so, you know, I've read a few things over the past few months that Kroenke is just not happy with the whole entire situation. The Rams, the Chargers are a bad Tenant, a bad roommate, if you will. Uh, so this, I, I mean, they're drunk texting everybody in sight, inviting people over, like to having parties in the living room. Like, get out of here, man. Yeah, this is you get home, everyone's passed out on the ground, beer bottles on their face, and tequila shots poured on their. I was going to say, oh, nipples. Lord. We have to say nipples. <laughs> Whoa. Well, hey, we um, did. <laughs> so, did you ever pass out in college and pour tequila shots in your nipples before you passed out? That's a weird thing. No. You're like, oh, good night, sweet world. And like dump a tequila shot in your nipple. Like, <laughs> Who didn't? You guys didn't? Right. Uh, hey, um, so, couple, you know what oh, the weird thing is, is? You leave your office door open. Your wife is walking around downstairs in like the kitchen getting, getting ice water. And all, all she can hear is me screaming. Like, she can hear me screaming about like you didn't dump tequila on your nipples. Like, I mean, I'm, she's married to Breach. She, she's heard far weirder. I'm talking about my wife, that. but yes. Oh, your wife. Oh, that. She's married wrong. to Breach too. We didn't want to tell you in the podcast, but bad news. So, uh, look, here's some other sort of ancillary things that came out of this that was buried in the seven thousand word article someone tweeted about. So, the Chargers, if they move, they would no longer be in the AFC West. There's a possibility that they swap with the Texans. The Texans would move to the West, and then the Chargers uh, would move to the uh, South. So that I sucks for those. Missed that part. God, this is insane. How so long? that would suck for those teams in the South who now have to travel over to London once a year, when otherwise they wouldn't have to do that if the Texans had remained in the South. There's also another situation where the let's see, what is it? The playoffs. The Dolphins move to the AFC South. The Texans yeah. move to the AFC West, and then the Chargers also move to um, 
The, the Chargers move to the AFC East, and imagine who Bill Belichick would murder if that happened because the Patriots have to fly to London every right. year to play a game. He would veto that. I mean, he and, alone would shoot that down. And he would go from having to play the Chargers, from having to play the Dolphins twice a year to yeah. having to play the Chargers twice a year. Although, we should also point out that I think it's interesting that Phillip Rivers is no longer, um, it doesn't have a contract signed. Phillip Rivers is not moving to London. We can all agree with that, right? No, he has 27 kids. There's no way he's moving. He, he moved 80 miles north, and I think that's a, a burden on him because he takes the um, Transformer automobile where he watches television in the back. Yeah. He can't take a uh, Transformer automobile to London. There's ferries. Drive from California to the East Coast to get on the ferries. He has 27 passports you have to get. Yeah. There are some really like interesting angles, too, like from a gambling perspective, for instance. So – the team in London would have to do, this is according from the article, would have to do multiple game swings in America to address the travel issue. So like, if you, if you play in London, you're going to get a three to four game swing where you have to basically travel around the country playing. Like a circus. Sort of, and playing various teams either from your division, like, so the Chargers would fly into, let's say they move to the AFC East and this whole, this whole, this is a, this is insane. They should just sign Philip Rivers to be their quarterback only in away games in the U.S. Well, okay. let me, let me throw one more thing. You guys talk about all the division shifting and everything. Brinson, you mentioned the quote from Chris Halpin, the NFL's chief strategy and growth officer. He was asked if the Chargers or another franchise could potentially move. It wasn't specifically the Chargers. So that changes like the context of his answer a little bit. And the reason I'm saying that is because, uh, Mike Florio, pro football talk also wrote a story about this report. And he said he kind of wasn't buying it because his understanding is that Shad Khan, the Jaguars owner, has the right of first refusal to move to London. Remember, Shad Khan almost bought Wembley Stadium a year and a half ago. So Andy owns the football club in London. And he got voted down. The Wembley uh, board of directors voted it down. So he's not going to be happy that he has been playing in London every year for like the past eight years, kind of – gunning towards this because he's made it pretty clear he doesn't think he can make the revenue to succeed in Jacksonville uh so you have to think he would not be happy but the flip side of that is that they just opened this new stadium the Tottenham Stadium and so maybe they're going to put two teams in London you know because I don't think there's any way the Jags would turn let another team move to London because they just make too much money because two teams in Los Angeles has worked out so well so far and look, With Florio, Florio likes to stir yield pot and that's fine. But I like, I like, I like Mike and I think he does a pretty good job even though he takes a bunch of people off and he writes, um, and I, I do also like that he writes like a fifth grader sometimes. Um, he's like, so this is, this is Florio's quote. He's like, so maybe someone is trying to force Khan's hand, nudging him to poo or get off the loo regarding a move to England <laughs> by throwing the chargers into the mix. Or maybe somebody connected to the Rams is trying to bring to a head whatever issues may be percolating behind the scenes regarding the actual or perceived inability of the Chargers to pull their financial weight in the stadium the Rams and Chargers will share. So in other words, this leak, while it's like, ooh, maybe the Chargers are trying to make the move, the Chargers are like, whoa, like what? I mean, I, guess I don't they could do that, but I don't, I don't know if you guys already mentioned this. Would they be playing in Tottenham Stadium? Is that where they'd be? That, oh no. Con- yes, conceivably, that's where they would play. Honestly, the char- for NFL. The Chargers would be the perfect fit to share a stadium with Tottenham. Don't two, want to hear the two teams. Two teams that don't win anything ever. That should win the... a lot. But the, okay, so here's the thing: is that let's say Jacksonville 
says, oh, we don't want the Chargers there. We are going to move there. Now the Chargers look even stupider because it's like, oh, we couldn't make it worth in L.A. We, we tried to move to one, but then that blew up in our face. And then they're back at square one because uh, they keep falling on their face because their ownership group has no idea what they're doing or how to run a football team. The natural progression is that they go from San Diego to Los Angeles to London, and eventually they're going to end up on the moon. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, why, why would the moon want them, Ryan? Why would the moon want them? They, they don't, but they don't know that until they get there and build a stadium. If you're going to do this, it actually wouldn't be that crazy to put two teams in there because then if you send a team over, they would play a two-game swing against those teams. So, like, That's, yeah. It's an idiotic idea, not your idea, but the idea of, first of all, the taxes. How are you going to handle the taxes? The travel, just sort of getting your body used to being five hours away if you're on the East Coast. Well, are you what saying, about all the Ambien? Ryan, are, so are much saying, Ambien. Ryan, are you saying two teams <laughs> or just any teams, period? I think any teams is a huge logistical headache. JLC wrote about it last year or the year before, about all the logistical hurdles you have to get through um, before you even get a team over there. And then, as you pointed out, John, imagine Bill Belichick having to go over there once a year outside of going over there every four years or whatever. That ain't going to fly. And, well, here's another thing is that JLC actually I think the most recently thing, because we haven't talked about this in a while because there hasn't been any London, a team might move there, is that the biggest hurdle is playoffs because you have to flip and play the next week. A lot of teams have their bye after playing in London like we're seeing with the Texans and Jags this week. But obviously if you're in the playoffs, let's say you play in London and then the next week you have to play in Seattle you're almost traveling for two days. You're losing all this time. Like, which crazy. way do you go when you leave London? You yeah. go right left. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but one thing about moving a team there, the last time Goodell was asked about it was October 2018, and he said, I feel this market without question could have an NFL team. There's no question a team could be successful here. And he kind of hinted that it, it's eventually going to happen, but didn't really put a timeline on it. I also think one thing that uh, Florio didn't mention in here, but that um – or that no, that Bonsignori didn't mention or Florio didn't mention that I think is at least interesting that could potentially be sort of an agenda driven thing here. If you put a team in London, the easiest way to take some of the burden off of that team, teams having to go over there and that team having to come over and all that, go to 17 or 18 games and add a second bye weekend. And so if you do add that team, all of a sudden the NFL can be like, Hey, we really need to go to 17 or 18 games and add that bye weekend on this next CBA. And so you just grind your way through 2020 and then in 2021 work out the new CBA and get those extra games in there. But if you're the players now, you're adding extra game and now they have to fly to London too, every single one of them. I, like, I don't know why they would agree to that. Well, I mean, I don't know why they would agree to a lot of the stuff they agree to, but because <laughs> their union sucks. Um, I mean, they would get more cash. Ryan, don't Ryan about all the, all the, business that you have to deal with like it's actually like a big deal like you would like would you be a united states citizen how would it work if you went and played three you know if you played two games a year in london well yeah you'd be a citizen but i mean for tax purposes you'd be paying taxes all over the world that's you'd be taxing pounds nobody wants to be taxing pounds yeah like it'd be a huge pain in the butt and then the ram stadium is built for two teams <laughs> so the flip side of that is that now you can once again use Los Angeles as uh, holding your own city hostage. Like the Bengals lease runs – the Bills. You have teams that are – the leases that run out in the next five or six years. All so, of a sudden it's like build us a new stadium or we're going to go move in with the Rams in L.A. Um, you know what it reminds me of? No. Have you ever seen baseball? 
not in a long time. Bob Costas was in it. He wasn't it. Let's see. Much like the hired guns of the old West. And after playing for New England, San Diego, Houston, St. Louis, a year for the Toronto Argonauts, plus one season as a greeter at the Desert Inn, I'm happy to finally play here in the fine city of Miami. Minnesota. Whatever. Soon it was commonplace for entire teams to change cities in search of greater profits. The Minneapolis Lakers moved to Los Angeles, where there are no lakes. The Oilers moved to Tennessee, where there is no oil. The Jazz moved to Salt Lake City, where they don't allow music. The Oakland Raiders... <laughs> I love that so much. The Jazz All right, let's get to the rest of the news. Anything else to add from that? No, I mean, if the Chargers can't fill a soccer stadium, why are they going to go... 8,000 miles away to not fill a stadium in London. Well, I think the whole thing is that the, the London fans show up no matter what. They don't care who's For how playing. long, though? No, I think I think there's like a legitimate interest from London folks in terms of supporting a, a football team. And like if you drop a football team there, they're just going to back that football team. It's like when they drop the Panthers. But in, for how long, though? That's like, right. I, I'm kind of with Ryan. I feel like they come because it happens a few times a year and it's this cool thing. Like English, what happens when they get eight games there? Yeah. You're only adding four. They've, done, they've been doing four games, so you're only adding four more. But that's a novelty, John. English soccer fans are loyal to the teams because they grew up with those teams. And when they get promoted or relegated, they follow those teams. If you have, bring a charter team over in 2021 or whatever, and they go 4-12 um, every year. So what? what what, and you're Sean, paying $200 you, a ticket. Sean, you rooted for Arsenal as like a five-year-old, I guess. That's I'm it. not English, so. <laughs> right, but not you so. still root for him. You can, you can find a team, you can find a new team. You don't have I mean, to. I think Ryan's point is that, like, obviously, an NFL team that goes there will never be able to surpass, um, the level. The only of NFL team in the market. They, the fans but, are but the fans, no, I'm saying they would never be able to surpass the way the fans feel about their local soccer You're team. Kidding. Nobody, that's not the goal. They're not gonna go. They're not going to go to see a team that's terrible year in, year out. Yes, well, here's, well, here's the thing the is year. that there's a lot of soccer is also played on Sundays and Saturdays, and Saturdays too. So, like, if there's a conflict, no one's going to pick the NFL game John, over John, an away would suggest, game. Would you suggest that this is a serious case of snotty soccer agenda from the two soccer dorks on the Why podcast? Would pay? I didn't even bring it up. I was going to let it slide. I just, yeah, I got to support right. Blend with Tottenham, two losers of the relegation on their mind. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you 400 pounds if you can name two people on Tottenham. Right? Uh, Hotspur and Tot. <laughs> exactly. I'm impressed that he knew the name. So I'll give him credit. No one's, no one's, I don't care who you are. Yeah, You're not going to pay. These soccer players change teams left and right. Get out of here. They, they would support, if you sent the Chargers to the Jaguars over there, and there would be a, there would be enough fans who would wholly support a for team. How long though? Yeah. Maybe for the be first longer than years. the Chargers are supported here. That's a lot of hoops to jump through on a hope and a prayer. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying the NFL wants that cash. One of the ideas that was thrown out when Jacksonville was talking about that whole – the idea of them moving to London was floated was play four games in Jacksonville, four games in London, and those are your home games so that you have, like, an American base where you're practicing and then, you know, you're that one in place. Worse. That's team, like the, 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 the raise, the like plan that was like half the year in Montreal, half the year in, <laughs> but that would solve like your playoff traveling problem. Cause then you would play your postseason games in America. And unless no you're, unless London. you're a London season ticket holder. 
They don't care. You just tell them the eighth regular season game is a playoff game. They'll believe so you. They don't, so they don't care. So you yeah. agree that they don't care. I mean, I, I, by the way, I love this like line. Like You can tell Bon Signore is like, like, I'm not trying to call the guy out, but it's like you can tell where he's, who's buttering his bread on this in the, from the source perspective. He's like, due to time zone challenges, Sunday games in London would have to start at 6 p.m. or 9 p.m. locally to fit in the American television windows. Monday night or Sunday night games would not be possible in London. Also, the quick turnaround nature of the playoffs could cause some scheduling gymnastics when it came to trying to get a U.S.-based team to London on short notice. All those issues seem like more like manageable dynamics than deal-breaking hindrances. It's like, no, if Bill Belichick has to fly a week, like immediately, like the Belichick example is great because he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not flying to London and playing a game. Like, if you had to go play a home, an away playoff game in London for the wild card weekend, there would be an enormous disadvantage. You know who you put in charge of that, though, to answer those questions, to answer the phone there? Al Riveron, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep going. we got to finish up before it kills me. Uh, speaking of guys who are under fire in the media, Adam Gase and Ron Rivera. Um, Ryan, you mentioned that, that quote that Adam Gase had. Mm-hmm. On yesterday's podcast, what you didn't mention is the follow-up question from the New York Daily News. Did you hear the follow-up question? Yes, because I mentioned it on the podcast. I mean, it's the NFL, man. It's the NFL. Can't can't be embarrassed by this. What is not this one validates you lost decision I don't. I'm not going to answer that. It's ridiculous. Okay, if you couldn't hear that. Oh, did you actually mention Didn't that? Didn't hear it. Listen to yesterday's podcast when I talked about it and then Breach followed up. But go ahead. Okay. Well, the guy, look, all I want to do is try and play the sound, okay? We're trying to incorporate more sound on the podcast. Okay. You, don't have, you know what? Don't be embarrassed by this bleep. Um, the, uh, <laughs> Adam Gase was asked by the New York Daily News, he's like, do you think this loss justifies Stephen Ross? Fair question, by the way. No, you can't ask somebody that in their, to their face. No as- way. That's completely fair. I disagree. I think it's sort of – I thought it was sort of inappropriate. This is where you draw the moral line, Brenton. I just don't think you go to like a press conference. You're like, do you think this justifies you getting fired last like three months ago? The answer is what, yes. What, what else do you write about if you're a reporter writing about the Jets? That's the question everyone wants to know. Is Adam Gase going to be fired or should he be fired? Of no. course you have to get his perspective on it. No. no. No, 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 no. He didn't ask, do you think this game justifies the Jets firing you? He said, do you think this game last year for being a terrible coach? He said, he said, do you think that this game justifies you getting fired last year? That's still, that's still hilariously funny and valid. You lose to a winless team. Any questions valid. Yeah. That's that's kind of the rule of journalism. You ask that in like a scrum of reporters in like a close, like, like close, like you might get punched. Who, who, who's Adam Gase punching? The taco man? Anish Mehta? I don't know. Like you just said he couldn't win a fight with Pat Shermer. Why is he punching anyone? Shermer's, dude, Shermer's tall and ripped. Are you nuts? Shermer's stacked, bro. Shermer fanboy here. Shermer, Shermer is you've been, you've been lifting weights with Shermer? I'm, I'm hitting, if, if we ever get a steel cage deathmatch odds on coaches, I'm hitting Shermer at like, as a sleeper at 45 to 1. I think you were looking at someone else because I've stood next to Shermer before. He's, he might be 5'11. I don't know. This podcast. You might have killed his odds like Trubisky's. He's going to be up to 10 to 1 now that you've been, uh, Philip yeah. McDermott overselling him here. Good. Um, yeah, McDermott's, McDermott's a sleeper. Belichick's, no. the, Belichick's the ultimate sleeper. No. no. Belichick, you see, I like pictures of him laying on that, um, the little floating island thing on his vacation. 
with you know swimming trunks on. Yeah, exactly. But he all of a sudden he's got like fifteen ninja stars. Yeah, yeah. Thing, he would just he would cheat. You'd find some way to like screw. I'm definitely packing heat in that. that you'd be like Prisco. He'd just snap a bottle off and you'd be dead before you knew it. Like you know, salad sticking in a bag or something. No, it's like it's like at the beginning of the Dark Knight where the Joker is like told everyone to kill everyone and the last person doesn't realize that he was also told to be killed. He had like made all these deals with every coach to kill off everyone else until there's just one left and then he kills them. That was a very on-brand analogy, Sean. Um, Ron Rivera was asked about Cam Newton. I, I did like, I, I never talked about that. Uh, Ron Rivera was asked about Cam Newton, and Ron Rivera got a little snippy with the media. You can go ahead and get the proverbial Cam question out of the way if you guys decide if you know. Without a doubt, what we're going to do is uh, Kyle Allen will start this week. Cam will continue his rehab program. I've got nothing further to add, guys. I, I can't tell you anything other than what I've already told you. Ron, is he – Discussing his options. I mean, we've kind of I, heard Joe, a lot of talk about. Yeah, that. I don't know who's talking, but we're not talking. I know that much. So, I, guys, I can't answer anything other than add anything else to anything. Did you have a chance to meet with him this morning or speak with him? Okay, I don't have anything else to add on that. I don't know what is going on with Ron Rivera in these comments. Like, by the way, first question from our buddy Joe Person, William Mary grad, now the athletic friend of the program, has been on the podcast multiple times, I believe. Probably loves having to come on this podcast. Uh, Ron Rivera was also asked about distract Cam being a distraction. I mean, the truth of the matter is if you didn't ask, it wouldn't be a bother. And I mean, I mean that. I mean, I give you an answer and tell you what it is, you know, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not sure why it's continued being brought up. You know, if, every Monday I'd be happy to answer the opening question, answer the elephant in the room, and then move on. And I think, you know, for, for, for him, you know, he just he goes about it because it's asked. And that's the truth. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, you know, I know you guys have to do a job and try to get information, but I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you the truth. Okay. I'm telling you what I know. I'm not going to get up here and make a story. If I'm going to tell you exactly what I know. Okay. And, and what these guys know is what, what I tell them. And to me, it's the truth. Has it become a distraction? Again, when the question is asked, it becomes a distraction, in my what opinion. No, the, the, the guys, the guys understand that they're going to play with who's here who's on the field. And it doesn't matter who's on the field. As long as that guy can help them win, they're going to do everything they can to help. I mean, that's just that, that's just kind of the nature of, of, of playing the game. Playing. So that, that was Joe Person asking, has Cam become a distraction? And Ron Rivera's like, no, it hadn't become a distraction. Is you it? know what? Why, why don't – and I always come back to this. You should think to yourself, and I appreciate Ron Rivera trying to be honest, and, and that's admirable and all that. He what also said the, like three or four weeks ago – or at the beginning of the season, he said, it's not his foot, guys. Why don't you take, get off my back? It's not his foot. It, and people are – if you say, is Cam Newton a distraction? No. That's it. Just what would Bill Belichick do? No, he's no. not. Yeah. Ask okay. again. No. No, he's not. Done. No one's writing about it because all they have is like two words to write down. No, period. No, period. And then you move on. But he gives these 200-word answers, and we have to talk about it. Well, it, it, it's very bizarre, though. It's like – why are you treating this on a week-to-week basis as if Cam might just magically come back? Yeah. Why don't you just say, here's the deal, guys. Cam's rehabbing. Kyle Newton – Kyle Newton. Kyle Allen is our starter until further notice. Kyle – like, it, I, I think what is happening is Cam does not want to have surgery because he knows that it will effectively end his Panthers career, uh, will certainly end his season, um, and that the Panthers are trying to – tiptoe around how they want to deal with this. They want to make it like, you know, Cam, you're welcome back when you're healthy. You know, you're welcome back when you're healthy. But like, and what I does get that have it. To do with the media. Well, I just think this, I think that this is, I don't think it would go this way in New York. 
like he's not he's not blasting the New York like it's just different in, in Charlotte or Nashville or wherever else. Like if if this was happening in New York, he'd have to he's not going to give. Like, you know what? I'm done talking about this, guys. Three, like he, and leaving. It's like, no, you're getting blitzkrieg for the next 15 minutes by these questions until you finally lose it and go full Rex Ryan. I mean, that's just yeah, that would be a Rex Ryan situation. Yeah. You're saying because it's a smaller market, there's not as much media. So he's not, he's kind of power playing and I mean, saying, like, it's my I mean, way and get away. Yeah. I've been in that room a bunch in that interview room down there in Charlotte. And it's like, it's the same six people. I mean, it's, you know, Joe Person, Jordan Rodriguez. Um, David Newton, Bill Voth is there from the Panthers. I mean, um, they, you know, like it, it, it's, it's not, it's never been, you know, it's the local, what's that? It's only four names. I want two more. Atlanta Getzenberg. I don't know the names of the local Charlotte media, although, Jonathan but like, Jones would have been an easy I just named one. Jonathan Jones, Jonathan Jones was probably there. Mike Salarte. I mean, it's the same guys, like, but like, Ron Rivera, it, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just different in the smaller markets. These guys. But he's not helping himself by, as Breach points out, power playing. Just say no. Yeah. Or take, take a lesson from the, the political PR handbook and say, I don't comment in, on ongoing investigations. I don't comment on ongoing players who aren't on the field. Also, like, you could just be honest. You could say, Hey, look, Cam's not ready this week. We're going with Kyle. I don't know he when Cam's said that, ready. Didn't he? I mean, I guess, but he's like being a D about it. A diva? A diva, yes. And it, I don't know. It just feels like you can snuff. The, I, like, also, what are the Panthers doing? Speaking of, like, we talk about Belichick. The Panthers had an open IR spot or an open roster spot for this last game against the Titans. They just did. They filled it with Dante Moncrief on Monday. Like, what, do you, what, what are you going into a game with an open roster spot for? What, what is that about? What if you need that guy? They they didn't. Who they beat the crap out of yesterday on I, Sunday? Still, I'm just the saying. Tennessee Nashville oh. Titans. Right. They were fine. They were holding that roster spot for Marcus Mariota. Okay. Uh, the Falcons moved a bunch of coaches, or if you prefer, deck chairs around yeah. on the Titanic. Does it matter? Raheem Morris, wide receiver coach, moves to the secondary coach. Dave Brock, running back coach, the wide receiver coach. Bernie Parmalee assumes the running back coach duties. Ryan. As you scroll over those names on a scale of uh, one to ten, how how interested are you? How what? How interested are you in these changes? Not at all. It doesn't matter. As you point, they're re-raising the deck chairs on the Titanic. Not only are they headed for the iceberg, they've already hit three of them over the course of the last eight weeks. They are done. Uh, we talked about it all the time in the off season how Dan Quinn fired everyone, and, and now it's his team. And now suddenly he's like, "Well, we got to fix these things with the coaching staff," and this is an attempt to do that. I don't know. What are you doing? They're one and seven. We don't know if um, Matt Ryan's going to play. He didn't practice on Monday, I believe. Uh, they're going to get blown out. I don't remember who they're playing, but it's going to be a blowout. The Saints. The, pretty, the Saints. Oh my God! Yeah, it's like twelve and a half points. <laughs> yeah, spread. Forget it. It's a wrap. All right, moving along. Jacoby Brissett sprained MCL. Sean, should the Colts play him this week, or should they sit him out? They are against the Dolphins. No, don't play him. You don't three need street, to play them. Three straight division games after they play the Dolphins. No, you do not need to play them. Uh, we talked about on yesterday's podcast that uh, Frank Reich, I think, deserves most of the credit for the way Jacoby Brissett has played, um, especially if you look at, like, Brissett's, for example, yards per attempt. Like, Brissett's playing really well, but he's only averaging, like, something like 6.7 yards per attempt. It's a really short passing game. Brian Hoyer is more than good enough to execute that offense to beat the Dolphins. So I would not risk it. Save him for the stretch run because that's what the season's going to come down to. Cool. Um, 
The Vikings are uncertain about Adam Thielen's return breach. He only played seven snaps on Sunday before exiting with a hamstring injury. Are you starting Adam Thielen, and should the Vikings play Adam Thielen? I started Adam Thielen on Sunday against the Chiefs and got a big, fat zero. But thank God I was playing the last place team in our league who didn't have a defense, a kicker, or a tight end going. So uh, he'd already given up, so I did win. Uh, but that being said... Hashtag, look, you hate to see it. You do hate to see it. Look, you try to put... You can't rush people back from a hamstring injury. I'm not the doctor of this podcast. Brenton is. But if there is one injury I do know about, it is hamstrings, and they're sensitive, and you have to let them heal all the way. And if I'm the Vikings... They play the Cowboys in week 10. They play the Broncos in week 11. Then they have a bye. I let them sit out till the bye. And then I talk to him on November 25th, the day after the bye. And I say, hey, man, how's your hamstring feel? And if he says it feels good, then he plays. And if he doesn't, then he sits out another week. So I think that you absolutely say you shove him for three weeks for these two games of the bye. Agreed. Preston Williams suffered a season-ending ACL injury. He was having a really good year. Um, Deshaun Jackson is likely to miss the rest of the season. Wait a second. You can't just gloss over this. This is terrible news for Preston Williams. Great news for you and Devontae Parker. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I would never root on another man's injury. No, I know you wouldn't, but the reality is that this could give you uh, a chance to make up a little ground. In the, Have we think, checked? You think how... Preston Williams tears his ACL and you think I'm Googling Devontae Parker passing or receiving yours? That sounds like something you would do. Yeah, hundred percent. Um or a doctor after all. Have we checked? Was the competition yards? Was that the metric we're using? Yes. Yeah, so Sammy Parker's at four hundred. Mm-hmm. Sammy had an okay game. So yeah, he had a better 473. game. Four seventy three. We're up seventy three yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm winning this thing. Yeah, Mahomes coming back. He's going off on one game. He's gonna have like another hundred eighty yard game and that's That'll a wrap. Be a wrap. Parker's going to have a big boy coming up soon. I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to tell you, this is a stroll in the park for your boy. He's got Indy, Cleveland left on the schedule. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be throwing the whole time because he'll be losing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Have you seen what the Dolphins have down the stretch? Yes, we've talked about this, about how Devontae Parker is a good waiver wire ad for the playoffs. Giants, Bengals in the way of the fantasy playoffs, and... The New England Patriots, the best me, teams in the world, but they're going to sit everybody. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have Devontae Parker? Because I'm thinking about picking him up in my league, and I've already clinched a playoff spot. Would you rather have him or Golden Tate? Uh, Devontae Parker. I don't know. Okay. Close. Yeah. okay. I was just wondering because I, I was think, thinking about I think doing the, it this week. There's – like Mark Walton, by the way, suspended four games. So now it's the Kalen Balaz show in, in Miami in terms of running back. Like the Giants are going to try and force feed Saquon Barkley every chance they get. And there's a bunch of different weapons. Sterling Shepard will be back sooner rather than later. The they didn't do that on Monday night. Devontae Parker is the alpha and the omega of the Dolphins offense. Feed him. <laughs> uh, all right. We got to get to one five star review before we get out of here. Nick Geyer, eight one three. Left a review on Apple Podcasts. We will answer this is a great question. We will answer your question if you leave it on there. More dunks on each other, the better. Amen, brother. More fun facts, the better. Preach, son. Who is the best chef out of all the super friends? Who has the best taste in food selection? I can tell you unequivocally that Ryan Wilson will say himself. 
No. I was I, actually going to ask you guys this because I was I was thinking about this. The only thing that you, I the only thing I oh you, are you going to ask a question? Or are you going to yeah yeah? I want to ask you guys a question because I you guys are all married, so I want to know how often you guys cook because you guys have more experience. But I feel like I probably cook more than you yeah. guys because I cook almost every single day. I'm going to guess. Brinson probably doesn't cook. He grills out. Breach probably cooks a lot. I don't cook at all, and I hear about it quite a bit. The only thing I can crush in terms of cooking is like I, I do gourmet egg sandwiches, but that's it. Like I don't – I hear quite often. Yeah, I'm not. better than Ryan. You yeah, couldn't you just are. say I make egg sandwiches, gourmet egg sandwiches? I yeah, think I – I, I can crush oh, oh, I want to hear why they're gourmet. Oh, okay. I have a whole thing. Okay. Yeah. So Hawaiian Hawaiian bun. Mm. You butter Wait, it. You, you want to hear it or not, Sean, Sean? Have a little respect for the yeah. man. You butter the top side, but you put the mayonnaise on the bottom side. I'm not a mayonnaise uh, guy, but you put there's mayonnaise on this. I, I like mayonnaise. You can't you use the What? Just, I agree. Just listen, just listen, guys. You can write down your comments, and I'll answer them as as you ask them. You, a little bit of mayonnaise. I don't like a lot of mayonnaise. You don't slather it on. Just a little bit on the bottom side because you bite it. It's a little sweet. It's sort of weird. You wouldn't believe it. Um, you cook the eggs. <laughs> Scrambled eggs, a little like you have to be comfortable, and I think Brinson is. I think I've talked about this. A little runny in the scrambled eggs because they'll cook themselves once you get them off the off the pan. Um, you grill some pineapple. Oh yeah, that sounds good. I'm in. You grill the pineapple, you put it on top, and then and this is this could bother you a little bit. You put a little guacamole on top of the pineapple. Whoa, whoa, we've never talked about. Have we talked about this? I'm I'm, in, I'm all in on this, Ryan. This and this is um, yeah, I'm it's, it's amazing. So that's that's all I do though. That's I it. I'm a one-trick Wait, punk. is this an old Wilson family recipe? Nah, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about five years ago and sort of cultivated this little egg sandwich thing. You you, you watched egg sandwich YouTube videos. I will say that the consistency yeah. in general concerns me a little bit just because it's like you got mayonnaise and scrambled eggs and you got some guacamole. The pineapple's nice because it breaks it up with the crunch a little bit. Um, I don't like messy sandwiches by the way, so I keep it tidy. Okay, that, that makes sense. But it sounds like a messy sandwich. I don't make it messy. I make it relatively small. You can't have – I hate eating hamburgers where everything falls out, so. Just as a corollary to this, uh, once a year at our tailgates at State Games, my buddy Travis Edmonds um, does uh, a very similar item. It's – it is, it's almost – it's actually shockingly huh. similar. It's uh, – he grills uh, like little smaller pork chops. Like he basically slices up pork chops into like smaller cuts of meat so there's not a full mm-hmm. – it's like a – Half a pork chop, King's Hawaiian rolls. There you go. Yep. Pineapple on the grill, some Duke's mayonnaise, and oh, you get basically yeah. get a Hawaiian sandwich out there on the on the. Just throw some eggs on top of that, and then you can have a little breakfast sandwich. You basically have it. Um, yeah, yeah. I see. My um, I'm a pretty good cook. I don't I don't cook a. I mean, I like I can cook a lot and well if I need to, but I don't really do it. I grill out a lot, I guess. I knew much. that. Yeah. Yeah, that is about – I feel like before I got married, I cooked all the time because I was cooking for myself, but I don't think my wife trusts my cooking. Really? So now, I figure you she, cook like four nights a week now. Well, I mean we do cook four nights a week, but she does about 75% of it. So uh, like, now like Ryan, do you do – like does your wife making like – like because see, here's the thing. Once you have like, – once kids are involved, it changes the equation completely. Like yeah, you're like, geez. oh, let's make something cool. Do you like – let's just get this – Freaking chicken breast on the plate, shove yeah. it down and get out of Dodge. Yeah, once a month is probably Hello Fresh or whatever the other Blue Apron or whatever. But she does all that. She makes all the lunches for the kids. Like I, I'm a shiftless layabout to quote Shannon Hamilton. Like I am not <laughs> helpful at all in, in that regard. Um, 
I clean up the kitchen during the day because I feel terrible if she comes home with her dishes everywhere, but I don't do any of that stuff. She does it. It's awesome. And the other thing is, and Brinson, you'll find this out when uh, Robbie gets older, like dinner, like she'll spend 45 minutes, 30 minutes making dinner. Dinner takes literally seven and a half minutes. Like my 12-year-old sits down and he's done. Yeah. My eight-year-old sits down and he's done and they're up and gone like before she can even sit down. Oh, I, I mean, I remember being a kid and it's like your mom, he's like, mom's just like, the guy just spent like two and a half hours making that food. You're like, thanks, mom. Go to watch TV. See you later. <laughs> it Sean, what, Sean, what is, uh, all right, Sean, if you had a, uh, go to meal. I'll just say what I made tonight. No, no, I don't want to hear what you made tonight. I want to hear what you would bring first like, date. First date. Ooh. You're cooking for her. What are you making? Oh, the last time I cooked for a girl on a date situation. So I did a salad that was, um, you know who would like this is Prisco because I seen him go to a steakhouse and order this instead of a steak. Uh, just tomato, mozzarella, balsamic, and olive oil, um, and garlic as a salad. Um, and it? then, oh, okay, sorry. No, 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 yeah, yeah, I cut up some tomatoes and some That's cheese, like, and that was it. Uh, no, and then I did a just say like a, a spaghetti type of thing. Oh, um, spaghetti is my favorite with like mushrooms, squash, onions. Goat cheese. Oh, what are you doing? Hmm. Keep it simple. But if you want to be fancy, but without wasting spending a lot of money on a date, you'd go seafood, get like lobster or scallops, because everyone likes lobster and scallops, but it's also not like a cheap food. Easy way to impress. That's that was, I can't believe I just gave that secret out. Also, scallops sends a message on a date. Scallops a does message. send a message. Uh, that uh, you know what I like to do? Um, Make scallops but, for your wife, Ryan, and you'll know what the message is. Ooh, sort of my cat might go to uh, – <laughs> I like to take um, – this, this is my own personal like, go-to lunch because my, my wife hates fish. But um, I like to get uh, tuna steaks, yep. grill them. Uh, uh, I like to do some ginger, uh, white wine, uh, 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 soy sauce, sesame seeds, grill them in a pan. And then I like to put them with some couscous Ooh. and feta cheese, tomatoes, avocados, and maybe a little black olives. Make it for supper and then have it the next day for lunch. This is pretty amazing because every time we get together, I'll eat our hamburgers. <laughs> I, would no, eat, I've, I would eat we, sushi for the rest of my life. Yeah, I know. When we were in Florida, he was just trying to get sushi all the time until he realized he had to front our order and he refused to do it. Oh, right. I forgot so, about that. It was just a pain in the ass. It was like, <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, Breach, we, Breach, we didn't get your go-to uh, meal. My go-to meal that I make for myself is French toast. Oh, nice. Wait, wait, wait. but that wasn't my go-to meal. You just asked me what was uh, the last thing I made. What I made tonight, no, I've been, asked, I've been, what, what did I ask him? I asked him what your go-to meal would be for a date. And you said spaghetti with feta cheese. Yeah, Sean, that, that is what you said. Goat. It was goat. Cheese, goat cheese. Okay, so That's what's fine. your go-to meal? Move on. No, what's your go-to meal? Good. Uh, well, I rotate. I mean, like lately, I've been into this Mediterranean type of chicken, so I'll like cook up some chicken, um, chicken breast with mushrooms and onions, not kebab style, but like kind of like I'm trying to mimic that. If you were to go to Mediterranean place, with some hummus, um, on the side and some harissa sauce that you mix in. It's an Ethiopian pepper sauce, and then I'll do a side salad, uh, with um, lettuce. Tomato, cucumber, yeah. walnuts, and a little bit of feta cheese, Good and a little bit of a Greek dressing. This dude is big on salads. That's what I had tonight. Yeah, I always eat a salad. Like, yeah. I was, the salad. 
It has lettuce. <laughs> uh, well, I do spinach a lot too. Uh, I just, I mean, I can say, I, I, that's the only thing I use for salads is spinach. Um, I don't really do romaine. Spinach is good. No, I usually do spinach too. Okay. Um, I, I'm really, I make really good omelets. Yeah, I'm down with eggs. Yeah. Uh, all right, that'll do it for uh, for our podcast. It's somehow gotten to be an hour and a half long. You can see no. that coming. No, just kidding. It's like 57 minutes. We're fine. Oh. Uh, for thanks for everybody for listening, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We'll be back tomorrow with the Brady Quinn Football Show. Oh yeah! In the meantime, the chilling new original docu series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.